Welcome to the World Languages Collaborative Podcast, a series of podcasts aiming to help language teachers improve their craft through innovative ideas, strategies, and best practices from expert teachers. The World Languages Collaborative brings language teachers together from all over the state of Georgia and beyond to exchange ideas and perspectives on teaching and learning languages. The World Languages Collaborative podcast is an extension of this effort and is brought to you by the Department of World Languages and Cultures at Georgia Southern University. I'm your host, Grant Gearhart, Associate Professor of Spanish at Georgia Southern. My guest today is Dr. Dolote Mertz. Dorote and I met when I joined the faculty at Armstrong State University, which is now Georgia Southern. At Armstrong, Dorote was an associate professor of French before becoming the director of international education. Presently, she is the senior director in the International Student Services Office at the Savannah College of Art and Design, better known as SCAD. Dorote has won many awards, including the prestigious, and forgive my novice French, Chevalier de Rote du Palme Académique, a national order bestowed by the French Republic on distinguished academics and teachers for excellence in promoting French language and culture. Our conversation today discusses how Dorote built the French program at Armstrong State. We talk about some of her specific strategies and activities to engage student interest in French language and culture, and these ideas will surely help anyone looking to grow interest in their language program, regardless of what language it may be. Welcome, Dorote. Okay, Dorote, welcome to the World Languages Collaborative Podcast. We're really glad to have you here with us today. Uh, why don't we start off with you just telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Hi, Grant, and thank you for having me today. So again, my name is Dorote Mertz, and um, I'm originally from France. I came to the U.S. a little while ago, right after high school, uh, for supposedly one year to learn English. Um, and then I really loved the college that I was attending in Ohio, Otterbein College, where I majored in English literature and in Spanish. Um, and I just could not leave. So I decided to take the GRE and I, I applied for graduate school, went to graduate school at Ohio State, at the Ohio State University, where I majored then in French literature um, for my master's and my PhD. And I graduated then with a PhD in French literature um, a little while back. <laughs> uh, got my first teaching job, full teaching job at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And then after that, I got a full-time tenure track position at Armstrong State University, um, where I taught for a long time until I decided to go to the dark side of administration and became the director of the Office of International Education and then um, made a career move to become senior director of the International Student Services Office at SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, which is also in Savannah, Georgia. Excellent. Um, so when you arrived at Armstrong, you were basically tasked with building a French program. Tell us a little bit about how you did that. Yes, that was quite the task. Um, I arrived, um, I was teaching four classes and I think I had 35 or 40 students total in those four classes. So, um, and I was the only 
French professor on campus. So obviously French was not very popular. Um, there had not been any continuity uh, with the French faculty for a long time at Armstrong. And so the first thing I did was to really get to know the students who were taking the upper level class that I was teaching, which was more of an intro to literature class. And they were also interested in um, the French club and doing things French related or Francophone related. And so with them, um, the first thing I did really was to kind of revive the French club. And we decided on some meetings every other week or so. Um, they also realized that they weren't speaking French too much. So we decided to put back together some sort of a conversation hour every week. Um, and then just, um, you know, I think my personality kind of helped as well to motivate the students to, um, to do well in my classes. And once they realized, because I was speaking French with them from level one, you know, French 101, we were speaking French all the time. So even in the hallways, you know, they would never speak English to me. Uh, I think they were still kind of afraid that I may do something if they spoke English in the hallway. <laughs> so they would speak French to me. They realized little by little, all the students were like, oh my gosh, we are really acquiring some language skills here with Dr. Mertz. Um, this is kind of cool. Maybe we should continue. And the fact that they could speak the language made them interested in learning more about the culture. Um, and so you know, then they got involved with the French club as well, even the level ones. And I did give them incentives, um, like extra credit points and things like that. Um, so that was just like maybe the first year or so. So reviving the French club, doing the conversation hour every week, um, making classes fun and interesting and making sure that the students knew also the benefits of speaking French. So I would bring in brochures and numbers. I mean, there are so many French speakers in the world, they didn't even know that French was spoken outside of France for many of them. So just speaking about, you know, the, the, the globalization of French, I guess, and how it is present on all the five continents. Um, then there were a lot of, parallel things that would happen. Like with the French club, um, it became one of the most visible clubs on campus. I would make sure that we were present at all the possible festivals and at, um, you know, any kind of special day that was going on on campus, we had a booth. And so we would sell crepes or donate or give crepes to people, the crepes. Um, we would also sell Valentine's Day cards that were written in French that we made. We had some students who were really talented artistically who would help us with designs and then we would make those cards um, and sell them for Valentine's Day. We would sell crepes for Mardi Gras, I remember that. So, you know, there was a lot of encouragement to do things to, to promote French culture, even though Valentine's Day cards is not really French culture and maybe crepes is not the only thing that French people eat, but you know, it was a, a little bit of a symbol um, and it, it would make others who were not aware that French was present on campus, that we were present and that we were interested in doing things to promote French and Francophone studies. 
once the French club became a little bit bigger, we started thinking about other things that we could do. Uh, we put together a Francophone film festival that lasted for 10 seasons and that grew progressively every year. Um, and it was started thanks to a grant that was given by the French government called the Tournée Festival. Um, so it started with this grant, but then we continued even though the grant was not granted anymore after a few years because there were only so many years that you could apply for it. But despite the fact that we did not have that money anymore, we, was, we were still able to get um, films on campus thanks to the help of other departments on campus, not only the languages department, but also the office of the dean wanted to help and um, the College of Education wanted to help. So it became kind of like a, a pretty popular event on campus, so much so that even the presidents of the university um, for a couple years, even maybe three years, came to opening night of each um, of the festivals and gave a little speech. We also invited the French consul in Atlanta to come and attend the festival and he sent his cultural attache for a couple years in a row. So it wasn't just known on campus that we were having this festival, but it was also known by the French government, which was quite impressive. Um, so we did things like that. So like the film festival, we also did, um, we organized concerts. So there's this one French singer, his name is Eric Vincent. He comes to the United States and tours American campuses um, to also promote French and, and Francophone, you know, not studies necessarily, but culture, um, music. And so we invited him for a, a couple of years. And for that event, um, we coordinated with the local French high school teachers and um, to make sure that we had a big audience and so that it would be a really big event. And we were able to get, you know, 300 to 400 students from the area to come and um, enjoy this like one hour or one hour and a half type of concert. And it was all in French, but he, the, the singer is so used to doing this that he would involve the, the students by you know, clapping or repeating sounds, or he was just really, he would involve them a lot in the music and in the songs. So that was really cool too. Um, Another thing that was very important was to really understand that the language was not just what they were learning in class. It was important, of course, to go to class and learn the language, but there was more to learning a language than just learning the words and the sentence structure and the grammar. It was also everything about the culture and the cultures related to the countries where French is spoken. So I would always um, organize outings with the students, even though they were not necessarily with the French club. It was also, it was always organized by the French club, but anyone who wanted to come could come. So for example, we went to see a uh, French play that was put together by the Armstrong Theater Department actually at the time. 
we went to some francophone restaurants around town, even, you know, if it was like a Moroccan restaurant, it used to be a Moroccan restaurant in Savannah with belly dancers and all of that. So we, we went there a few times. Um, there used to be like a fast food restaurant called Papillotes. They sell, they sold um, quiche and, you know, crepes and chocolate mousse and things like that and sandwiches. Not really French, French, but like coq monsieur, you know. So I would take the students there to do their final presentations, for example. Um, we also did a trip to New Orleans to learn about the, the French and Francophone culture over there. Um, and of course, I organized, you know, study abroad trips for students who wanted to actually go to France and um, experience the culture firsthand in a French speaking country. And after, you know, years of really making sure that the students would understand that learning a language is not just, like I said, the language and the words and the grammar and all of that, but it's also the culture and definitely being able to communicate with someone from another country um, to not only, you know, speak to them with words, but also understand their culture so that because cross-cultural communication is essential for in this world where we're completely interconnected. And I think this is something maybe that was missed before, I'm not sure, but they understood, you know, through everything that we were doing, that all of these events and all of these things were interconnected. Um, so I guess the culmination of all of that was, um, that we finally, with other institutions that also only had minors in French, we decided to put together an e-French major uh, where different professors from different, from different institutions in Georgia would teach different classes um, to students who wanted to do a major but could not because it wasn't offered at their institution. So we decided to create a completely online major. And so by the end of my French teaching career at Armstrong, finally, we went you know, from a minor to students being able to major in French. That's really amazing. And what a task that must have been for you, especially being the only French uh, professor at Armstrong. Um, it's highly impressive. I think in order to retain students, you had to be doing some 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 very uh, very good practices inside the classroom. What were some teaching strategies? And I'm referring to things that you actually did inside the French cl uh, classroom uh, that you felt helped retain students or engage them uh, further in the process of language learning. Sure. Um... I took a long time to prepare my lessons. Uh, you know, I, I can't say that I did not. Um, I think that's probably the first thing is that I always put a lot of time and attention into creating a lesson that made sense and that was scaffolded from the beginning to the end. And that's for each level, especially for the very beginners, because I really wanted to only use the target language in the classroom because I knew that they would not get that language very much outside of the classroom. So in order for me to be able to use only French in the classroom, I had to create a, a support. So I used PowerPoint 
um, so I, I created PowerPoint slides that were very, um, I guess they, they, were, they were full of details and full of visuals, um, even some translation so that I wouldn't have to use the English word with the students. So if I wanted to talk about an apple, I would have a picture of an apple. I mean, that's very simple, but so you get the concept that I'm sure you do, but I would put the picture of an apple, put the French word for it, and then the English word for it in parentheses. And then I wouldn't have to say, well, this is an apple. I could just say, c'est une pomme, you know? So techniques like this, um, also always positive reinforcement. Um, I, you know, mistakes happen, um, and I would never chastise a student for making a, a mistake, of course. Um, of course, with training and teaching for so many years, you kind of decipher what students want to say, even if it's not correct. And so rephrasing what they were saying, you know, in the correct manner or writing it on the board so that they were on the PowerPoint or whatever, so they would see what the correct sentence was. Um, I would also, again, so I was talking about scaffolding earlier, you know, I think a, a lesson that is well planned out goes from very mechanical kind of exercises all the way to a communicative activity where at the end of the lesson, the students understand that everything they've learned through that lesson can be used in a communicative context where they can actually have a dialogue or whatever. So for example, when we learned um, the words for clothing, we would have a fashion show and they, the students would be the ones describing what the students were wearing. And I would bring accessories, you know, hats and pearl necklaces and scarves and high heel shoes. And of course the guys really loved, you know, cross-dressing and things like that. So always making sure that there was a part of fun and entertainment in a way, because it, it is fun to me, it's fun to learn languages and I wanted to make sure the students had the same experience. Um, when we talked about food, of course, you know, we would have some food brought um, to the classroom. Uh, now with COVID-19, you know, I don't know if these things could be possible anymore. Hopefully we can go back to maybe individually wrapped things or, you know, something. I'm sure there's a, there's a solution. But um, I guess, yeah, so those are some of the techniques that I used in the classroom. Excellent. I love those. Um, was there anything that did not work so well? Was there anything that you tried and said, hmm, this is not giving me the result I'd hoped for? That's a good question. Um, you know, <laughs> I taught for 20 years and um, I, I have 20 years of evaluations. So obviously I always read them very carefully. And um, the, the only real negative comment that would always come back was homework. We don't wanna do homework. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't know that there's a workaround around homework. Um, at least at the time I didn't see one. Now, looking back, um, and now that I have children who are doing homework after going to school all day and coming home and having to do homework at home, I realize, especially, you know, when you teach college students who most of the time have a job, 
that they would go to school full-time, then they would work full-time. Sometimes they also had families full-time. And I was asking them to do a lot of homework. And I mean, a lot, maybe not a lot. It would maybe take them 30 minutes if they would really just apply themselves. Um, but, you know, they, it, I wasn't the only class they were taking. They also had English and they also had um, science and, and math and history and, and all the other subjects. So, you know, if there was a way, I think for me, you know, for students, especially who were not minoring or majoring, who just wanted to go through the motions of getting their language requirement out of the way. If there was a way to erase homework now, I would probably have them talk to me in French for five minutes nonstop every day, like five days a week. And I think that that would probably make them progress even more than doing these mechanical homework things. Because for me, for, for them, the most important thing would be after four semesters to be able to have a conversation with somebody. Um, they don't necessarily need to write anything. They don't need to write an email. They don't really need to write a letter or an essay. They just really just, if they want to go to a French speaking country, they should be able to handle themselves in that language, you know, without too many difficulties. So I would probably go to something like that. For those, you know, who minor or major, well, it depends what they want to do. Uh, later on with that major, if it's more, again, to travel and um, maybe do something in um, advertising or, you know, something with um, translation, like interpreting, maybe they don't necessarily need to do mechanical homework like that. So I'm sure there would be another way um, to practice and to really target the skills that they want to practice the most. I think the homework question is a great one, and I've had similar experiences. And one thing that I've tried to do is is follow this idea of uh, the least effective dose, which is a a, med a medicinal concept. You know, when you have to take a, a medicine, especially if it's strong medicine, they they want you to take the least effective dose and not yes. overdose. So yes. I think overdosing on homework, we have this idea sometimes that more is always better, and more will always yield the same amount of improvement. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think you reach a point where the improvement will plateau and you want to try to aim for that sweet spot where they're improving. And as soon as the plateau, plateau starts, you say enough, that's the least effective dose for mm -hmm. you to improve. And that's what I've been trying to hone in on. And it just takes time and practice and patience. It's not something you can guess. You just have to see it. You know, I peel a little bit off each year taking into account what you said, students are working, students uh, have other responsibilities outside of class. So I think yeah. that's, a, that's a great answer. Mm -hmm. um, so to wrap up here, I wanted to ask you, what advice do you have for a teacher in a si similar situation to the one you were in, tasked with growing a language program? What would you, what would you say to them, whether at the college or the high school or the elementary school level? Sure. Well, you know, I think, first of all, um, I don't think this can happen without uh, enthusiasm and, and energy. <laughs> so it, it's not something that happens, and I guess patience, um, because growing a program does not happen from one day to the next. It will take 
a couple years at least, you know, to, to get things moving, to get administrators to understand what is important, um, to get funds possibly, extra funds to help sponsor little activities. So definitely, and, and energy because, you know, all the things like the concerts and the festivals and uh, organizing study abroad trips and things like that, this is all done after hours. It's not something that you do because you have to teach, you have to prepare your classes and you have to grade and you have to go to meetings. Um, and then, you know, and then you can take care of the French club or the conversation hour or, you know, all these other things um, that are added onto your plate. So energy, enthusiasm and patience. All right, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate your time today uh, with us, Dorothy, and um, we hope to have you back on this podcast uh, in the future. So that thank you very great. much. Thank you, Grant. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the World Languages Collaborative Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, and please give us a like and share this podcast with your colleagues and anyone interested in languages. To learn more about the World Languages Collaborative, contact Dr. Mark Linsky from Savannah Chatham County Public School Systems at mark.linsky at sccpss.com. That's mark, M-A-R-K, dot Linsky, L-I-N-S-K-Y, at sccpss.com. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.